Hello everyone. I welcome you all to yet another episode of Life of a Person. Today we have a really inspiring personality with us, Dr. Gurbachan Singh. He is currently working as a visiting faculty at the Indian Statistical Institute since 2010. He has worked at some renowned institutes such as the Center for International Trade and Development, School of International Studies, Jawaharlal Nehru University and many more. He received his PhD in financial economics from Indian Statistical Institute and did his masters in economics from Delhi School of Economics Delhi University please tell us about your childhood how your path got in line with economics in the early years what problems you faced and any distinct incidents that you remember from your childhood so uh it was uh, towards the end that i came to economics um, of course economics was not a subject like physics chemistry you know biology or mathematics uh, it was introduced as a subject only at a later stage and when i got introduced to it uh, i really started uh, liking it a lot and the interest developed uh, but around that time or prior to that i was taking some interest in fields like uh, accounting that is chartered accountancy as a profession and even law um, uh, but um, i was to shift soon to economics uh, from that yes um, so it also helped to read more generally the other field i was considering was mathematics um yeah so there was something about uh, accounting law mathematics it's about being precise specific not vague mm-hmm. i guess uh, that was what was uh, attractive you know in school uh, the way subjects like uh, history uh, social studies etc are done at least in earlier section classes even later uh you know the these even if one has interest in these subjects uh, somehow one is not very inclined to pursue them if you have if you think more clearly scientifically uh, and particularly if uh, the writing skills matter so much and not uh, content so i guess that was what was uh, behind um moving towards uh, subjects like uh, law accountancy or mathematics uh, because i was not a really a science person though i did my science is still plus two stage uh, and that too also because of the compulsions of the way the examination system the syllabus the teaching goes here exists the way it went then so it's only after finishing schooling that i uh, moved to economics so, so, so where uh, from where did you do your schooling so this was uh, cambridge school srinivaspuri delhi all right so sir, um, uh, you had like there a science background right you were in a science background there yeah. yes 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 all right so uh, did you have economics as an additional subject there or uh, not no i unfortunately no i tried my best but at that time in my school uh, there was uh, a compartmentalization 
So if you wanted to take economics, you had to join the commerce stream or the humanities stream. And if you wanted to join the science stream, then economics was not available. So I know the CBSE board did allow it, but the school did not allow it. And um, I was told that uh, one can shift anyway at college level. So uh, that's when I did my sciences. It, there was also an idea that uh, it's good to know some minimum uh, science. And uh, there are also practical considerations like being able to get admission in college. Uh, it's easier to, to go in with science background than with other background. Yes, sir. Sir, uh, like, uh, how was your path got in line? It got in line uh, during the bachelor's, right? Yeah, so bachelor's... When, when you I, did your bachelor's in yeah, college. When I, did, when I did my economics at college, then that was fine. So, I at, after college, I did not think in terms of moving to law or accountancy and mathematics, of course, I had uh, left behind. Uh, even earlier. So, uh, yeah, so that's where it was. So how was your experience at Hindu College? Like, uh, what, how is it different from what we students are experiencing today? Well, I can tell you my experience uh, in undergraduate. Yes, sir, for sure. But, yeah. but I, I don't know what is uh, happening in college currently. So I will not be able to compare. But, um, at that time, uh, what I do recall of three years of um, undergraduate studies was that is when I got exposed to a lot of things. I, uh, so as a subject, we were, teach, we were studying economics, but uh, I got uh, some flavor of politics. That's when I uh, realized uh, the role of politics. I saw it at the ground level in college and university. Uh, I got to understand something like caste, what it means. I didn't know that earlier. I understood regionalism. Uh, I even uh, came across uh, the religion divide. So those things one didn't know in school. Uh, it's when, when one is in college that one knew that. Also, one got more exposure to uh, the disparities in society. I remember we used to travel by DTC bus or even the university specials. And um, it's, uh, you know, things like that. So we were moving from South Delhi to the North uh, campus and the journey every day up and down itself was a teaching experience. One realized uh, what is going on, uh, how different things are. Uh, so that was a great learning experience uh, from all that. And the other thing was, between school and college, college, uh, one could walk into the library anytime, spend any amount of time, read, pick up any book, which was not the case in school. School, there was a library, but it was only uh, namesake. Uh, one didn't really have access um, and uh, reading was not very encouraged. Not that it was encouraged in colleges also, but at least the atmosphere uh, given the yes. circle of friends, people staying in the hostel, the discussions. So uh, I read quite a bit, uh, very generally uh, at college. And the, I, I just wish the college library was uh, better than it was, but at least it was available. Uh, I remember yes. also using the British Council Library those days. 
that was a very attractive library to go to. You could uh, spend a lot of time there. Uh, air conditioning was in luxury then. So that was an air conditioned library. Uh, and uh, But it was not to read so much of economics. It was more to read more generally. Um, mm. So I, I remember the collection of plays by George Bernard Shaw. I remember uh, stories by Somerset Mom. So all these were available at the BCL, British Council Library. Uh, so do you yeah. remember so any what... distinct incidents from your childhood? Like um, something that really you remember whenever you think of your childhood. Is this something that's distinct from what every child um, like experiences? Yeah, so one thing I recall is the exam system. And this is despite uh, the fact that I was doing well in school. It, so it was not because I was not doing well uh, that I had trouble with it. But it was uh, something I disliked. Um, it was uh, a system which uh, takes some students away from humanities, I think. Particularly the clear uh, minds, because they associated with um, uh, mugging up things, learning things. Uh, from the, the very dull textbooks which are uh, which were used then. I don't know what is the current situation then. So the exam system uh, did bother me. Uh, you know, the, I also draw this distinction between competence and creativity uh, to the extent that the teaching and exams are good. They are good for uh, selecting competence uh, to the extent that it does. But creativity, it, it doesn't encourage uh, at all. And, um, and you know, in, in social sciences, in humanities, uh, it's more about creativity than about competence. So that's where- so uh, Even now, we as students are facing the same problem that there is more about competency except from creativity. Creativity here in schools is not really nurtured in the students, but instead, um, students are are like um, forced to maybe learn such certain things that they're not interested in, but then it's part of the schooling system here. So we can't really help it now. Yes. So about the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, we as students really just uh, talked to each other. Um, we like went out a bit and then we just really studied to the bare minimum. We watched series and stuff. So, sir, we would like to know how you spent your time and uh, do you have any learnings that you are taking forward with this pandemic? So, uh, first of all, for me, it was not uh, such a big change because uh, uh, I, I'm anyway visiting faculty. So, I was not going to the institute uh, on a daily basis and I was not really uh, a regular person there. So much of my work was from home anyway. So it came as a new thing for many people, but not so much for me. Yes. So that part was not such a big change. But yes, uh, but yes, even in my case, uh, initially it was fine. But uh, over time, um, it does affect, uh, you know, uh, the boredom and the isolation um, at times, you know, it gets you into a bit of uh, anxiety, uh, mild depression. Uh, it, it happens 
but you know at my age uh, one is familiar with these things uh, and i also have a slight interest in uh, psychology my daughter is uh, working in that area also so um, uh, one could um, uh, see what could possibly be happening and uh, deal with it uh, at one's own level it was not serious but uh, to a minor uh, extent uh, that comes in the other bit um, it, pandemic of course was a very 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 unfortunate uh, thing but uh, you know what happens is as an economist um, it is a challenging time and uh, you are bombarded with that issue that question uh, what to do as a policy maker economic policy and uh, i found myself very active in fact uh, in that period uh, i wrote several columns in fact that is when it became regular um, I wrote for Ideas for India. I wrote for Business Standard, and uh, I was writing in real time, applying my theory and knowledge of so many years uh, to what could possibly be done: fiscal policy, monetary policy, dealing with uh, pandemic, the economic uh, side of it, of course, not the health side of it. So it's a challenging time, but it was a very uh, productive time, I must say, very fruitful uh, time. Uh, I I wrote a lot and I learned a lot in the process because that's when so you get for students, your... this wasn't really a, For students, this wasn't really a productive time. All we did was chat to each other and then uh, we really just watched series and we didn't even study much. Because uh, online online education isn't really the best means of education, I feel. Because personally, a student can be sleeping and the teacher wouldn't know what the student is doing right now. So yes. that's where uh, like the students got into benefit and really gave study a second thought. Like they stopped studying a bit and instead they focused more towards their um, holistic development and um, towards like other perspectives other than the studies that they were doing. Yeah, so, uh, so also except from your studies, do you have any hidden talents that your uh, that is not known to your colleagues and students or maybe something like do you play any sports? Did you play any sports in your childhood? No, I'm not a sports person at all. Uh, so uh, I was very bad at uh, sports, the little that I uh, did or had to do. <laughs> so that is not my area, but uh, I have other interests. I don't have talent in that, but I have interest. Uh, this is uh, cinema, uh, films. Uh, I'm very fond of good cinema. I like to see uh, good films, uh, whether they are Hollywood or Bollywood. Um, and general uh, reading and um, uh, in the last one year uh, more specifically but even earlier a few years back I, I had developed an uh, interest in uh, call it spirituality or call it uh, the art of living things that get left out in school uh, or college uh, so you have you often come across people who are uh, very uh, talented um, but they cannot manage their uh, own lives 
so they may be very skilled, uh, very highly educated, um, but they can't deal with uh, many problems. And I, fish, I feel um, that is something missing in uh, schools and colleges. Uh, I guess that is continuing even now. Uh, and you see the uh, effects of that in terms of, um, uh, I mean, suicides is a very extreme case, uh, but uh, people going through tension, mental health problems, uh, at a younger age, you, people going through breakups, uh, the divorce rate in the urban areas is going up. Uh, there are separations mm -hmm. happening. Uh, people are having difficulties with their jobs. So uh, dealing with all that um, is not easy. And uh, we just don't learn and teach uh, that in uh, schools and universities. So even I in childhood did a program for art of learning as well. So it was a five day program and it really helped me getting to know what we as spirits are instead of an individual. And that's really helpful for a human being to understand in, in, the, in the current world that we are living. Yeah, so, uh, so, about, I, so just want, so this has to be an ongoing uh, learning thing instead of, you know, doing a five day program or something like that. So it is good that you did that, but this is an ongoing thing which one keeps uh, learning and developing. Yes, I like um, do the sessions that are online. I did some sessions as well in the pandemic as well. So also I'm doing sessions right now as well. So I had a session last night as well. So I'm currently with Art of Living and Good. I am working towards becoming a better human, which is really important. Yes, yes, yeah. So about your work, I read your work about the current COVID-19 pandemic and the program for recovery. I really got encouraged to study more about the pandemic. So what do you feel went wrong in the global approach towards COVID-19 and how it impacted economies? Also, sir, could you please brief us about your recovery model? Yeah, so what wrong with the economies uh, was primarily the issue of uh, fiscal space. So what had happened um, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis in 2007 or so was that um, the governments had already incurred a lot of debt and um, the debt to GDP ratios were already high and the central bank had already done massive quantitative easing. So um, uh, there was uh, the fiscal space and to some extent, even the monetary space uh, was getting restricted. And um, that is what came in the way of being able to deal with the COVID crisis, at least in India and also in many other uh, countries. The fiscal situation in India is uh, quite bad. And it is in fact, uh, this which came in the way, you know, a lot of economists kept saying, uh, this is a crisis and the government should spend, spend, spend. But, um, uh, I don't think they were realizing the gravity of the fiscal situation that uh, prevailed. Mm -hmm. Now, the genesis of that is that um, John Minard Keynes had said that, you know, you do a counter-cyclical fiscal policy, which meant that you spend heavily during a recession, 
in a boom, you cut down on spending. And which is when you move to an intertemporal budget balance, uh, at least as it relates to the recession boom uh, period. But um, uh, what has happened over time is that every time in a recession, the government is very active. But uh, in a boom time, the government is hardly active uh, with the result that you have the building up of the debt. And when it is, becomes very high and you hit a crisis, then you can't deal with it. Mm, yes, sir. So, so, sir, you have been working on a book on the topic, a well-targeted interest rate policy. So we students want to know more about it and how you came across the idea of writing this book. So this has been in the making for a long time. So maybe not formally, but uh, many of these ideas uh, have been developing over a long period. And I've been feeling very uncomfortable with the way monetary policy and fiscal policy are uh, conducted in practice. So it's not um, uh, one fine day certain, it's a gradual uh, process. And the main thing was that um, the current interest rate policy that we have is a very blunt uh, interest rate policy. It um, affects uh, not just where it is targeted, but it affects in many other places. Just to give you uh, two examples. So in a recession, when the interest rate is lowered, then uh, it is uh, lowered not just for the industry, for the borrowers, but it reduces the interest income of many people. Now, this is not the interest income of the rich people only. You have the ordinary people, the middle class, the retirees, the pensioners, the resident welfare associations, the NGOs, the educational institutions, mm -hmm. their endowment funds, the widows uh, who get interest income. So, and they, this is a dispersed group. It's not a vocal group. So what is happening is that the stabilization policy is at the expense of a section of society. It is not uh, the taxpayer in general who pays for uh, the stabilization uh, policy. Then these low interest rates also induce high asset prices, which is what we are currently seeing. The BSE Sensex is uh, high and is ri rising. It's happening in the US stock market also. So that is also related to the interest rate policy. That's a very blunt interest rate policy. So the question for me was, uh, can we have a well-targeted policy that avoids these other effects? And my answer is yes. And that's where you are writing your book and explaining what should be done by the government, right? Yes, by the government and by the central banks. Uh, so Sorry. it is not just a matter of what the government and the central bank does, it also requires legislative changes uh, because there is an RBI Act under which RBI does some things and there is an act which requires the government to do some things. So uh, as you know, uh, markets and even policies function under some uh, laws, regulatory framework. So uh, the changes can be uh, big enough to warrant uh, a change in some basic uh, framework rather than just tinkering with some uh, administrative or policy decision. Okay, sir. So we as students don't have anything planned out yet. We are figuring out various fields and planning out what will be best for us. Most people think of it as a bad thing. 
what are your thoughts about this ideology in regard to your own journey any suggestions you want to give to such students so first of all uh, it is very normal to not know exactly what you want to do at this age so i don't think yes. uh, that should be bothersome uh, in fact uh, sometimes i wonder why some people seem to be so sure it is good if they have discovered early what they want to do what they are good at but uh, it that process can take some time so there is nothing to worry about uh, that at all uh second you know um, the the, uh, the 3 years of college it uh, i mean the field of study chosen is economics but um, uh, look at it as more uh, of undergraduate education and look at it as something that happens to be in the field of economics according to the counselors as well as the parents this is considered as a bad thing for the students as what counselors feel is that um, a student should know what he is going to do in the future from the start like even from 10th most counselors tell the parents of the students that they have to plan out something for the future otherwise they won't be able to be successful in the future. so uh, as i was saying earlier um i don't quite agree with that approach uh, some some of us can take longer than others in uh, forming our plans and this particularly the case with uh, some of us who are making a big departure from what uh, we have seen what we are familiar with so you know suppose you come from a particular family background now there is only so much that you can think around for a while uh, till you can really uh, approach the idea of doing something that is very different so that transition can take uh, a big time so for example uh, some just just as an example i don't mean it suppose uh, you have done economics honors but uh, suppose you are you have interest in cinema and you're interested in film making and your family has had no connection with that at all now it's very very hard for somebody to uh, even think in terms of um, shifting because the college is not talking about it the family is not talking about it and you are looking at it as some remote interest rather than a career in that uh, field so um, that transition can take a long time and uh, it can give the appearance of being indecisive and unplanned uh, and even being casual towards your life towards uh, career but that may not be the case it may be a reflection of uh, a big uh, change that is happening having said that uh, i will also say that i have some sympathy with the view of the counselors and the family people that uh, one should give more serious thought because you know you can't treat things uh, casually uh, for uh, long so it's a matter of uh, taking a balanced view of um, the conventional wisdom with what uh, you may be considering that is very new and very different from what you are used to so when did you plan out that uh, you want to go into the field of economics was it before you did your bachelor's uh, from hindu college or was it after it so as a subject i i knew it was economics so that was fine but i did not think in terms of uh, 
pursuing it for uh, an academic career. Uh, that is very different. So, uh, you know, in your, so I, just to share with you, I come from a business family and uh, the norm is business. So uh, they thought, and I also thought that I would uh, join business because your friends, your family, everybody is doing that. Uh, so that is where the difficulty comes, uh, the transitioning from um, one area of occupation to another area of occupation. And that was a difficult uh, period and a challenging period. And I didn't realize it even during my uh, MA. It is only uh, subsequently that um, I uh, made that uh, transition. So uh, selecting economics was not so difficult. But uh, selecting academics as a career, well, that was uh, the big, big transition. And that's where uh, things changed considerably. So can you explain us about some of your works that you have done for The Wire and I've read that you have done work, some work for the um, some publishers. So can you explain those works as well, please? Yeah, so... Uh, of course, for a long time, I was writing uh, research papers for journals. Uh, then it was 2012 that I published my first book, which is when I thought that one needs to go beyond uh, research papers in journals. So journal papers are read by very few, uh, even where it, they deal with policy. Now that is very unfortunate because there's a need to transmit knowledge from universities to uh, the policymakers, to the public, um, to the businesses, uh, to government, to NGOs. Now, uh, that, there's a big gap between the two. And um, uh, one can combine uh, this research with uh, that kind of uh, publishing. Now, it's also unfortunate that many universities uh, are not very encouraging if I may say, uh, to uh, that part of the work. It's treated as uh, popular work. Um, now, I know some popular work is not of good quality, but that need not be the case. So, you know, or you have on one hand academic work and on the other hand, you have um, journal journalistic work, which is newspaper, uh, media, etc. So there needs to be a middle ground uh, between the two. There also needs to be a middle ground between uh, universities and the industry. So you, you have in practitioners who uh, work from experience and from whatever knowledge they gained 5, 10, 15, 30, 40 years back. And you have the universities which uh, are doing research, but then they are not really passing it on. That is less of a serious problem in financial economics, which is where I come from, financial economics and macroeconomics. But it is a more serious problem in other fields. So these bridges are uh, where some work uh, needs to be done. A lot more work needs to be done. In fact, I would say that uh, maybe it should be mandatory for university professors to write in popular publications um, so that they transmit that weight. And also it should be mandatory for practitioners and for journalists to go back to the university every uh, seven, eight years uh, so that they learn uh, new things. 
so that there is this um, give and take. So, you know, people do uh, their graduation or post-graduation, and that is the end of education. Mm. They gain experience over time, but that becomes the end of education. So it, it needn't be like that. It could be that, you know, you go to university for three years in your late teens or early 20s, and then you go to work, and then work for seven, eight years, you go back to the university, yes, you spend a year, and then you come back to work, again, spend another seven years at work, go back for one year to the university. Uh, and similarly, the academics, uh, maybe it'll be good that they spend uh, some time in the practical field, um, gaining some experience. Some of them do, uh, but that is not for uh, everybody. Yes. So what do you think of the current budget model that our country is with, working current? with? Current? So what do you think of the current budget model that our country is working with right now? The budget? Yes. Okay. Oh, the budget. So um, the, the budget, uh, well, the good part of it is that um, it has realized uh, the importance of transparency in accounting, in budget making, in estimations, uh, in sharing that information. It's also good that they are emphasizing investment because um, that is what makes it sustainable. Uh, if you don't take care of growth, then the growth will not revive private investment. And if private doesn't, private investment is not forthcoming in the future, then the government may have to give us stimulus year after year. So yes. that part is good. There is also another good part in terms of reducing um, harassment and tension for taxpayers. So uh, some things have been done uh, regarding that. Uh, on the other side, where I feel the budget should have done more, and for that matter, in during the period of the pandemic, the government should have done more was with regard to people uh, instead of just the economy. Now, yeah. one should differentiate between the people and the economy. You may be doing very well for the economy, you know, infrastructure and the things that I mentioned. Um, but when it comes to people, uh, you know, there, there was hunger, there was migrant labor problem. Uh, there was a problem with regard to the health facilities. And um, all of it was not due to our being an underdeveloped country and our country having a uh, limited budget. Uh, it was not that. Uh, so that is where I feel uh, there was some deficiency. Uh, and there continues to be uh, that deficiency. Uh, but there are the, the other positive parts uh, too. So here uh, I may mention something. The focus is usually on the government borrowing and spending. Now it needn't be confined to that. It can also be uh, reallocative policy, redistributive policy. Since you're students of economics, I can talk a little about this. So, you know, you can cut down on some expenditures and increase expenditure on, you know, health facilities, uh, etc. Then you can impose uh, something like a solidarity tax um, so that you have the resources. So it needn't be just about borrowing and spending, which is what a lot of economists are also emphasizing, that borrow and spend, borrow and spend. So I'm saying 
you needn't borrow and spend you can spend in other ways too yes so i'm really inspired by your work and the things that you have achieved i really would like to know about your success mantra my success mantra oh um, it is uh, you know the, my the, it's success maybe today but it was not an easy journey uh, because the emphasis was more on uh, knowledge and understanding rather than on exams or on degrees or on publications so that is what made it uh, difficult but uh, what happened was that with all the learning um, with that uh, somewhat long term uh, view not that i had planned it that way uh but it so happened and i saw that particularly playing out during the last one year when it the situation had changed in the economy considerably i i found myself uh, in a position to suggest a solution and suggest that uh, quickly and you can do that quickly if you understood some things over a long period of time so it is long term uh, uh, learning but, but i would add uh, because in so far as advice to students is concerned um it needn't be that path it one can take a more balanced view uh, so you know some of us get too focused on exams and degrees and in my field academic field publications etc as the path of career um and a few get too focused on knowledge and sometimes they get pushed out because of their low marks because of their low degrees uh, out of the academic world that is both are not good they are not at all uh, one could strike a balanced view uh, take a balanced view so you may not be in the top of the class in school and college uh, but you know you uh, known and understood well enough so that you can do well uh, later um uh, but by your so take a bit of both uh, take into account the constraints and uh, operate uh, that is a better way of uh, going about it but i know you know some of us are made uh, one way or the other so <laughs> maybe some of us uh, can't just do but you know long term uh, studying there is a yes. there is a line by gandhi ji uh, he said i don't remember the exact line but he said something to the effect that lead your life as if you're going to live for just one more day as if you're going to die tomorrow mm. but uh, study mm. as if you're going to live forever yes so so you know it is it's talking about the short run and the long run Uh, it's about talking about your conduct on one hand and about your education on the other because in a sense uh, education cannot be short term and in a sense yes. conduct cannot be long term uh, conduct has to be uh, on a daily basis yeah with this we'd like to end this podcast session thank you sir for your precious time we students really will learn something new with this podcast thank you for giving us insights about your life 
and also your ideas and advices would help us deciding our paths and planning out what we want to be as a person thank you for streaming in for this episode of life of a person with dr gurbachan thank you thank you thank you it was nice being with you